We're talking about found faithful. We've been in this series. I'll introduce today's message title in a little bit. But, uh, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the things that I think every one of us have in common, without a doubt, every one of us have this in common, is that we all experience temptations. And in those temptations, uh, a lot of us, all of us, from time to time, give in to those temptations. Some people on a regular basis, and, and it, I believe they don't want to do that. I hear the cries of people all the time. I really don't want to be here. I really don't want to do this. But they don't know how to overcome those temptations in order to be found faithful. And so we've been on a track of how, uh, how to help people to, to be found faithful in serving Jesus, doing what Jesus wants. And we've been breaking it down. But I want to give you a scripture, and I'm going to just go back and recap the, the series t- or the message titles. And if you haven't listened to them, I encourage you go online. It is, it is it is important that every one of us know these areas and have these areas working in our life. But I want to take your uh, take you to First Corinthians chapter four, verse two, and it says, "Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful." Be found faithful. That means proving himself worthy of trust. To be faithful. And we're going to talk more about what that looks like in just a moment. I'm going to give you some side thoughts that are not in the, in, in, in the, in the, uh, the notes that are there that we provide for you. Uh, and by the way, uh, those notes are in there. They three ring, uh, three hole punched, and and there's binders out there at the welcome center, free for you if you want to keep up with those notes. Okay, they're there as a gift to you. All right, and uh, and so anyway, God wants us to be found f- faithful, faithful of the things that He's entrusted into our life. That's what a steward is. It's a manager of the things that God's given us and entrusted to us. So we need to be found faithful. Why is that? I, I believe there's a number of different reasons, but I'm going to say that because if we're found faithful, it blesses our life. It really does. Uh, Proverbs 28.20 says this. It says, a faithful man will abound with blessings. It will abound with blessings. Unfaithfulness causes our lives to be unfruitful. So when we're not faithful, it, it, it will cause us to be unfruitful in our lives. And so I, I've been showing you these scriptures, if you've been with us. If not, then the, I'm going to give it to you today. Proverbs 13, 15 says this, A good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. It's hard. And, and, and it is hard. It really is. When we're unfaithful, it produces things in our life that we have to deal with. We've talked about that. There's things that unfaithful people have to deal with, and, and really they, it, it creates a whole set of scenarios and problems in our life that we have to process through, deal with, sift through, and all of that stuff. And so it even causes us to be more unfaithful because we don't have the time to be faithful because we're dealing with all the unfaithful things that all the unfaithful things produce in our life. So it's never the way to go. Hopefully you, you've, you've understood that. It's never the way to go. When you're tempted, just think, oh gosh, I don't want to have to deal with all that other stuff. And, and so we, we're, we've talked about that. And uh, what is faithfulness? Honestly, I, I thought about this, uh, and I hadn't taught on this in a lot of, 
a lot of years, but faithfulness is a, re, it's a reflection or a carbon copy of the original. That's what it is. And so if we're going to be faithful to the Lord, we want to reflect the Lord through our lives. What would Jesus do? Amen. What would Jesus do? How would he act? How, what would his attitude, do you have a faithful attitude? Would, would, are you sitting there thinking and meditating on thoughts that Jesus would sit there and meditate and think on? Or do you need to bring those thoughts captive? Because where your thoughts go, your life goes. However you're thinking is how you're going to become. And so we can't allow our thoughts to just go any which way. And all of us have tempting thoughts, thoughts that tempt us to do stupid things in our life. And so we've got to watch that. And, and, and so uh, we, we, need to, we need to reflect him in our life. Uh, so much to say about that, but I just don't have the time. So, but, so anyway, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about how to be found faithful. Uh, we've talked about this. Uh, it, it takes a few, uh, some things in our life that, that causes us to be fa- found faithful. Number one, we talked about that on week one. It's not on your notes, but we talked about this on week one. It's the grace of God. That you cannot be found faithful without God's grace working in your life. That this isn't all up to you. It's a cooperation with the grace of God working in your life that you are found faithful. Paul the Apostle says, I am who I am. I do what I do because of the grace of God in my life. And the same stands true for every one of us. If you're trying to do this in your own strength and try to be faithful just because, uh, because you have a strong will, your will will fail you. You're, it isn't that strong. You're going to fall short. You need the grace of God. And we talked about how to have the grace of God active and working in our life in that first message. Secondly, we talked about the Holy Spirit that we, we are found faithful by the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit, He empowers us, He helps us. And so I'm not going to talk about that right now, but we talked about that in the second week. Go back, listen to it, even if you were here. And then week three, which was last week, we talked about how, do we, how are we found faithful by the Word of God. The Word of God will transform our life. Don't be conformed to this world, uh, world but, be, uh, uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so we allow the Word of God to come in and take residence in us and be- begin to produce fruit out of our lives. The fruit of faithfulness. And faithfulness is a fruit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And we talked about that in the second week. And so it, it will begin to produce in our life. And, and so today what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about how the Word of God, not the Word of God, how, excuse me, we're going to talk about how the body of Christ, a life-giving church, will help us to be found faithful. It will help us to be found faithful. Now, as I was thinking about this and preparing for this message, there was so many thoughts that I was going through, so many things that I was thinking about that I think that would uh, help us uh, tremendously. But I was thinking about this. What is it, what's a faithful person look like? Think with me for just a moment. When you think of a faithful person, you think of somebody that's busy. Busy doing the work of God, doing what God has for them, you know, the things that God has for them to do. do it, busy doing His will. And, and that's who it is. Faithful people are busy people. They're busy 
about the master's things, the, 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 the work of the kingdom. They're busy about raising kingdom children. They're, they're busy about having kingdom marriages. They're busy about raising up kingdom businesses. It's all about the kingdom. You know our whole life needs to be about the kingdom, right? I mean, we're busy about working at whatever occupation we're at for the, for the glory of God. That's why we're there. We're there because we want to bring honor to God through our lives. And so we're busy. We're busy, busy, busy. Do you know when people, when God wants to get something done, He doesn't look for people that are available. He does look for people that are busy. He looks for people that are busy doing stuff that have an available heart to Him. That, can, that He can access their life and say, Hey, I need you here or there or wherever. He's looking for busy people that way. 2 Timothy says this in chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. It says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, because you can't do faithfulness without grace. And the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful, faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And then the Bible says in Psalm 101, verse 6, it says, My eyes are upon the faithful of the land. His eyes are looking for people that are busy doing his work. And, and, And Proverbs 25, 19 says it this way. It says, confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a a bad tooth. How many had bad tooth before? Or a foot out of joint. Oh my gosh, that could hurt. I sprained sprained, uh, both of my my ankles before at one time. How, How does a person do that? It was before Christ and I was drunk playing volleyball. Stupid. And so I came down on them, and, and, and I hurt myself really bad. So that's how you do it. If you want to go do it, I gave you the ingredients. Go do it, all right? I don't advise it, but anyhow. And so that, that took place. But you know what? The Bible says here that when you put your confidence in somebody that's available, they may have all the time in the world, but if they're not busy doing what God wants them to do, they're going to they're gonna shortchange you. They're going to leave you disappointed. I don't want to be a person that God cannot call on. I want to be busy, available. And let me tell you something. If we're led by the Spirit, we're led by the Word of God, if we have the grace of God working in our life, then whatever He ever calls us to, we can handle. And and the fourth ingredient to all of that today that I want to talk about is a life-giving church. There are four redemptive relationships in our life. Relationships that feed us life. Relationships that God puts in our life that helps us to be who God wants us to be. That's under attack. You see it in our society, it's under attack. And, and these four relationships we've got to guard, we need to, be, we need to be a part of. Relationship number one is, is Jesus Christ himself. He's under attack. You know that, you see it, you hear it in the news. Second relationship is marriages. Oh my goodness, I could talk all day about this. The, the whole institution of marriage is being under attack. God wants us to honor marriages. Marriages are something that's honorable. 
This third one is the church. That's the third redemptive relationship that's under attack. And then the fourth relationship is authority. The Bible says in these last days that we're going to see people buck authority like never before. That are going to resist and rebel against authority. Even among, even among churches, even among Christians. And so we, we've got to guard these relationships. And we need to understand the importance of the relationships. And the devil knows if we have these relationships working for us, we are a powerhouse for Jesus. There's not anything that we can't accomplish for him. Talking about growing a life-giving church that, that reaches the lost disciples of found and equips the next generation. Man, we could do amazing things if we can just unify ourselves uh, around these four relationships. And so what I want to do, I want to first of all give you a statement that's in your notes of what this life-giving church is all about, what it, what it is, what it looks like. For us, at least, this is what it looks like. It's this. A life-giving church is a church of small groups that assemble people to help and be helped by each other. That's what it is. We're not, a, we're not a church with small groups. We are a church of small groups that gather on a weekend to worship and, and to bring people that are far from Christ into, into our church so that we can help uh, impact them with the, uh, with the life of God. That's what, that's what we're here for. But during the week, guess what we're doing? We're with people. We're with each other doing life and ministry and praying with each other, helping each other. That's what we're about. They worshiped in the temple on the Sabbath, and the rest of the week they were, they were house to house doing ministry, doing things, and that's the same model that we have here at our church. And so that's what a life-giving church is. And so we're going to talk about this and how it can help us to be found faithful. Because that's the goal. That's where we want to get. We want to be found faithful because we know that it blesses us and it keeps us from a hard life. That word hard means that there's nothing being produced out of our life. Nothing good. So I don't want a hard life. I want a great life. I want that abundant life that Jesus came for us to have. So here's what we're going to do. Is I'm going to break this down for us. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 is going to be our, our foundational text. In the next few minutes that I have with you, I'm going to, I'm going to deliver this as quickly and as, 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 uh, in, as powerfully as I possibly can so that all of us will walk away and be able to have something to apply in our life and be sold on the fact that a local church is extremely important in our life. And not just attending, but being connected in that local church. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us, let us think, think of ways to motivate one another to the acts of love and good works. Or we could say it this way, let's think of ways that we can motivate people to be found faithful. How can we do that? How can I, how can I, how can I get in a person's life and help them to be found faithful? Well, all the small groups is absolutely right. We all need, we need people around us. He who walks with the wise will be wise. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. So many scriptures that talk about the importance of relationships. And if Jesus did, did it, I think we ought to too, right? 
But it goes on to say, and, not, and, and let us not neglect our meeting together. Some translation says, nor, nor not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that we see the day of his return is drawing near. Jesus is coming back. There will be a rapture of the church, and we need to be ready. And we need to get as many people as ready as possible as we possibly can. So what I want to do is I want to break this down and I want to talk about how to be found faithful by a life-giving church. Number one, first of all, it says uh, in your notes, I put in your notes, our small groups assemble people to motivate and be motivated by each other. We need motivation. We need somebody motivating us and we need to be used by God to motivate others. Because there's a lot of demotivating things out there that will just take the wind out of our sail. You can be going down the road doing fine, serving God, think you're doing great, and all of a sudden, kaboom, you get hit with something and, and, the, and the whole uh, uh, wind gets sucked out of your sails. And it's like, oh, don't even want to be, I don't even want to take another step. And somebody comes and motivates you and say, you can do this. You can make this happen. You can get through this. And so it says, it says, and we just read that in Hebrews 10, let us think of ways. In other words, we need to spend some energy, and we need to spend some thought, even some prayer, on how to help others be motivated. Are we really, truly spending time doing that? Or are we spending time criticizing instead of spending time thinking about how we can motivate? How can we motivate? We all, you know, let me tell you, we all got areas that we are, God's working on. Isn't that right? He, we just do, every one of us. And so if we are looking for something to criticize, we're going to find something. But the Bible tells us, let's look for, let's look for, let's think about, let's think, let's spend time, let's spend energy, let's think about ways that we can motivate others. How can we do that? And then let's get in a group, let's get with people, and let's make that happen. Because every one of us need that. Well, I looked up that word motivate, and it's in your notes. It means to provoke. As a matter of fact, some translation says that we're to provoke others unto love and good works. I like that word provoke. I don't know. It's like, it's like here, I'll motivate you. I'll kick you in the rear. Now, I'm not going to kick him in the rear because he's... Uh, military and he's about 20 foot taller than I but if I, uh, I'm, I but you know if he needs a good swift kick in the rear and I have a small group I can help I can get some of the other people over here and we all can motivate him how's that that's why there's it's so important and I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm, I'm actually in about three, four small groups. <laughs> Love small groups. And uh, I, I was with our pastors this morning, and we're in a small group, and we're constantly just sharing the word and, and that type of thing. We're with our bowling group, and, our, and then uh, we're with uh, our, our marriage group. I loved all those groups. And then I'm with some pastors that I meet with regularly. And uh, it's just awesome how... Our lives motivate each other. We motivate and we're motivated by. Met with a young pastor this week and, 
and uh, actually met with him Saturday and then, and then again this week. And, and when we got through, he was just so motivated, so pumped at our relationship. He says, I feel like uh, this is a, a Paul-Timothy relationship here. And, and honestly, I think we ought to have that Paul-Timothy uh, relationship with people and that it ought to be being reversed on a regular basis. That sometimes you're the Paul and I'm the Timothy. Sometimes you're the Timothy and I'm the Paul. Did I say the same thing? Okay, all right. I, I might have said the same thing. And so we help motivate each other unto being faithful. And we need that motivation. Colossians chapter 2 verse 19 says this. The body and all its parts, out of the 21 translations, and all of, all of its parts nourished and strengthened by its points of contact and its connections grows according to God's design. When we're connected to the body, when we're connected, I use this in our growth track. If I could, if I could yank... If I can yank uh, Terry's arm off, and once again, he's a big old boy. But if I could yank his arm off, off of his body, his body may live, but that arm is going to shrivel up and it's going to die. Because it's not connected. Why is it that people are shriveling up and dying spiritually? Why is it that their marriages are shriveling up and dying? Why is it that their children are shriveling up and dying in that, in that they're not being nourished and nurtured in the admonition and nurture of the Lord? Why is it that things are taking place in people's lives? I believe it's because there's a disconnect. It's much easier many times to be disconnected than connected. It takes work getting in there and developing a relationship. It takes, it takes work and energy to think of ways to be a blessing and to add value and to strengthen and to nourish the other part of the body or parts of the body. But it's needful. Because there's a mutual exchange. What, what you give, it comes back. As you are helping others, you yourself will be helped. It's a scriptural principle, but a body, they feed off of each other. They strengthen each other. It's, it works together. Amen. And that's why it's so important. And we're able to keep each other motivated. You can live for God. Yeah, you might be in the middle of some addiction or some some defeating habit that you have that you really want to get uh, you really want to get rid of it may be depression it may be discouragement it may, but let me tell you something you can get through this we will help you we will encourage you and we're going to talk about that in just a minute but we will you can do this cuz a three stranded cord is not easily broken and so we can make this happen. So how can we be found faithful? Number one is that we motivate and we're motivated by each other through a small group. Number two, our small groups assemble people to encourage and be encouraged by each other. It's, it's so important that we understand that Scripture says that we're to encourage each other, especially now that we see the day of his return drawing near. In other words, especially now that we're living in this, in this, this time that we live in, we're so close. In this time that we're living in right now, 
This world is getting darker. People are calling good bad, bad good. And we're seeing some crazy stuff. And we need each other. We need to encourage each other. The word encourage means to exhort, to build up, or call to aid one another. Actually, the root word of the word encourage here comes from the word parakletos. And it's the same word of the Holy Spirit that comes alongside to help. And we're called alongside to help our brothers, our sisters, to encourage them through our words and and just to be there. Even though they may be struggling in something, we're there. We're not there to criticize or or to condemn. We're there to say, listen, I know that you are there. I know you got a mess, but that mess can be cleaned up. Jesus is the master at cleaning up messed lives. Messed up lives. I had a messed up life. And it took years to get it cleaned up. But God is doing that. Man. I met with a small group uh, of people this earlier this year. And, and out of that small group, uh, somebody came to me. It was, it was after our, our, our time together. And they came to me and they said, they said, I really feel like the Lord put this in my heart. And by the way, let me just say this to all of you all. I want to empower you. I want to set you free. I'd rather you, I'd rather you say something and feel like it's the Lord than not say something and, 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 and succeed in not saying something. I'd rather, you, I'd rather you say something and fail than succeed at not saying anything. And, you know, and, and I, want you to, I want you to speak up. And, and, and I, 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 this person said, I, I really feel like the Lord said, uh, spoke this in my heart concerning, concerning you and, and, and your church. And, and they said this. They said, this year is going to be a year that God wipes away all disappointments and all delays. All disappointments and all delays. And you don't know how it encouraged me. Starting out a new year, just wanting great things, and it's like, you know, we all have disappointments. We all have delays. Hello. Right now, you're in the middle of the waiting room. You're just waiting. Waiting for news, waiting for that next step, waiting for your assignment, waiting for this, whatever. And so there's delays. And, and, I, and I can't tell you how, that, how, how much that encouraged me to just press on to what God has for us this year. And man, you know, this year we started out, I felt like the Lord put some things in my heart concerning this year that we were to focus on. Uh, One, that we were to focus on uh, getting healthier in every area, relationally, every way. Number two is that we were to get better, get better in every area, just every area. Number three, that we would focus in on leadership. And so we've been doing that, raising up some leaders, nurturing, mentoring, correcting, helping leaders to be who they... I know that God wants them to be. Number four is that we would double this year. And, and we've, we've made a lot of progress. Amen. And so for that person to say that is like, yeah, thank you, Lord. I, I feel like I'm on the right track. So it's encouraged me to move forward. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 through 13 says this. It says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. 
but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by the sin's deceitfulness. So it says you need, you need encouragement so your heart stays right. Every one of us need encouragement. So I want to set you free. I want to set you free. If you have something in your heart that you feel like you need to share somebody with somebody that's going to encourage them, share it. I've had it happen so many times that I've said something, it's, it's, it, it felt like it hit a brick wall. Like, kaboom! And it's like, it fell on dead ears. Has that ever happened? I did it anyway, because I felt like it was what the Lord wanted me to do. And I just walked away and just like, okay. You know, I did my part. I, that's my part. My part is not to change their heart. It's their heart to receive it, and it's God's heart to change their heart. Amen? So you guys, get out, be the body of Christ, let God use you to encourage others, and also open your heart and be encouraged by others. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to people and tried to encourage them because I felt like there was a word, I know, I know, and it's just like, I know you might know, but you need to hear it again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing, not having heard. And so you need to hear it. So Terry, bend over. Let's kick your butt. Let's get going, buddy. You need to hear it. I'm bound to start a fight up here. Thank you, Jesus. So how to be found faithful by a life-giving church. This, this fourth one, <laughs> our third one, you got to bear with me. Okay, when you hear this one, bear with me. And I only have a couple of minutes just to build my case on this. How to be found faithful by life-giving church? Our small groups assemble people to humble and be humbled by each other. Okay, now hear me out. Hear me out. We're the ones that humble ourselves before the hands of God. It's our responsibility. But in the context that I'm saying it in, you got to hear me out, okay? And then you'll understand it a little bit more. God, God's not going to humble you. You humble yourself. Understand that. It's our responsibility to humble ourselves before the hand of God. Are you with me? It's not anybody else's responsibility to humble you. But in the context that I'm using it in, you'll understand it a little bit more, that we are to gather together as a small group to humble and be humbled by each other. Okay, so let me explain. It's a humbling thing when you open your life up to others and allow them to speak into your life. It's a humbling thing. And so you're being humbled by others when they speak in your, and you allow them to speak into your life. Does that make sense? The Lord dealt with me a few years back. If we're going to see what he wants us to see take place in this church, it's going to have to start with me. My training in Bible school, they trained us to not get close to the parishioners. Not to get too close to the parishioners because of, because of, of the, the byproduct of it. That people will disrespect you. That contempt will take place. And uh, there was one more thought that I had written down. And uh, familiarity. 
Those three things. Familiarity, contempt, and, and dishonoring. And I had to make a decision that I was willing to, to press in to what God had and, and humble myself in order to, for God to do what he wanted to do. Does it happen? Happens all the time. But I'm going to tell you the, re- the rewards are far outweigh those that uh, are, uh, get too familiar with me and they don't respect me like they need to or whatever because they see some things in me that are in them. I've got issues just like they have issues. I say stupid things just like they say stupid things. And, and, and I, I can get upset just like they get upset and they think, you know, or whatever. I don't know. I, it just happens. It just happens. It can happen. But I'm going to tell you, as I've pressed in into re- people's relationships, that's not, the, that's not the case for most people. It is for some, and it's happened. But I found this out because I had it. I've been on both sides of the street. It happened on both sides of the street. It didn't matter. So I have chosen to humble my life to the Terry's and the Shannons and the Alicia's and the Ray's and the, uh, the different people in our small groups that we have and, and to be humbled by them when they want to reach out and care for me and love me and help me and, and bless me and encourage me. It, it, it can be a humbling thing to allow somebody else to just speak into your life rather than you're the one always speaking into their life. And you know what? I'm better off for it. I think I'm a better pastor. I think I'm a better friend. I think I'm a better leader. I mean, when I need to step up, I'll confront. I don't mind confronting. It's not an issue for me. But, but I, I, think, I, think that, uh, uh, I think that what God wants to do in our lives, it comes... It comes through humility. Far too many people are being prideful in their lives. They're only limiting, limiting people into their lives just, just a little bit. And the reason is, is they're, 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 they're too concerned about their image. That's, a, that's pride. And we've got to strip that off of our life. Why? Because we need people to encourage us. We need people to motivate us. And for that, that to happen, we're going to have to be humble. And for that to, uh, and for in, order, in order for us to be found faithful, we've got, to, we've got to open up our lives. That's why we are not a church that has small groups. We are a church of small groups. We, we dive into people's lives, and we let people to dive into our lives. Good, bad, and the ugly. And I hope, you, I hope that you're encouraged by this. The Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. Put it on like clothing. You've got to wear this thing. We've got to get rid, rid of pride. Every one of us fight with pride. Every one of us fight with selfishness. I felt like the Lord told me this morning in prayer, the lust of flesh, the lust of eyes, and pride of life are things that, that are really a, an attack in our life that the enemy is tempting us with, as he did throughout the ages. He's doing that in our lives, and, and we're just far too, much, far too selfish than we need to be in our lives. We're far too prideful in our lives, and we're pursuing all the wrong things with our life. 
the desire of other things, the lust of other things we're pursuing, and it's, it's making no eternal uh, impact in, in and through our lives. And we've got to set those things aside in order to be found faithful. How do we do that? We've got to let people in our lives. And we need to be willing to get into their lives. But it goes on to say, it says, Submit yourselves one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I could, I could really build that out. But the word grace here, three different thoughts. I'm just going to give them to you. You can go to message one. You'll hear it. I'm just a recap. Number one, God's grace is his divine influence upon our heart and his reflection in our life. The grace of God is his divine influence in our heart. The grace of God enables us to be found faithful. And then secondly, the grace, many of us, if not all of us, have heard this defined, grace defined this way. It's the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor and spiritual blessings in our life. And then thirdly, this is a definition that I felt like the Lord gave me years and years ago. It's uh, God's grace is God's power and God's ability to achieve God's will. The grace of God will enable us to do what God wants us to do in our lives. And if we'll do what God says in these four areas, that we would be found faithful by the grace of God, that we would be found faithful by the Spirit of God, that we would be found faithful by the Word of God, and that we would be found faithful by a life-giving church. And a life-giving church defined to me and for us is it's, it's a church of small groups that gather and assemble together to help one another, then I believe God will find some faithful people that he can use in these last days. Amen? Father, we thank you for today.